Today I want to talk about I Can See Clearly Now. That's the title because we're finishing up this short series on clarity. And, and I, I am just to a point in my life, especially today, and I, I appreciate the two songs that were selected. In the beginning I thought, that's an unusual song for us to sing as a congregation, but every word in that second song known just spoke to me because I feel a lack of clarity sometimes because of things I inflicted in my own life. And I think, okay, God, are you with me? Because I feel like I've not been with you. And then I see that bulletproof aspect and that, that, that lyric that said his love is like bulletproof. I need that. Because we go through life and sometimes things are just really difficult. Are you all with me this morning? Yeah. It's not morning. It's afternoon. This afternoon, you all with me? We got Good. Because I, I really want to speak into this. And uh, this, this, this is my life. That graphic is my life. It, it seems really blurry and then starts to come into focus. But at times, I feel, like, I feel like I'm walking in a fog. If you're with me, just raise your right hand real high. Like you feel like you're walking in a fog. And then as you walk in that fog, uh, you, you start to see clear. And then at moments, it becomes unclear. And you, didn't, you can't really see clear until it gets just right up to that moment. You know what I'm saying? You're like, oh, I see it now. And, and then... It's scary because it's, it's so close to seeing fog again. You, you following me? It's when you're driving down a foggy road and you're like, I feel like I got this, but I'm not very confident in what I'm doing right now. I, I know what direction I'm going, but the fog is so thick. And sometimes I'll flip on my brights, which is the worst decision in the midst of fog, because then it becomes more difficult to see. And so spiritually speaking in my life, in the midst of the fog and the lack of clarity, I'll take the word of God and I'll shine it. It's a light onto my feet. It's a lamp. And, but when I do, my path, as the Bible says, doesn't seem to be very clear. I would hope because I'm shining God's word on it, it would become clear. I hope you're with me. I'm not trying to be non-spiritual. It's just at times I think, God, I am proclaiming your word, but things are still... They're just not clear. And so there's an, often a lack of clarity in a Christian's life because of difficulties. Um, and, uh, and, and, and there's a negativity around us. And the world's confused. It's cursed. And so that creates fog amongst them. But we have the Lord Jesus Christ in our life. And so we should be able to, to navigate through this foggy life we have. But it's not going to get any better. It's going to get more and more difficult at times. And if you say that things are clear for you right now, you just keep on living your life because it's going to get foggy real quick. And then at that moment, you're going to go, why can't I see clearly like last week's message? And, uh, but you can. I believe you can. And I say that life can become clear if, if you give it some time, but there's a process. And in the midst of the chaos... And the midst of the fog, God is trying to do some things that make sense. And we just got to catch on to that. And, and so I want to look at Mark chapter 8. And I want you to understand even the disciples, though they walk with Jesus, he was like their closest friend, they lived with him. They didn't always have clarity. So if you're discouraged today thinking, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, but I don't have clarity in my marriage, in my relationship with Thrive Church or whatever you're going through with your work or whatever the case may be, I just want you to know you're not alone. 
because the disciples, as close as they were to the Son of God, didn't always have clarity. Psalm 71 verse 1 says, In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be put to confusion. I don't ever want to live life in the fog. Life will have fog, but I don't want to live there. So if you're sick and tired of living in the fog, then I think today you can start seeing clearly. And we're going to learn through Mark chapter 8. And uh, we're going to read this account of Jesus and the miracle that takes place. And it's a familiar miracle, but I want to look at it differently. So Jesus' miracle here is twofold. It was a miracle that brought physical healing, but it also brought some spiritual clarity. And so I, I, I want to be very symbolic, uh, but I don't want to be so symbolic that I'm not biblical. Y'all follow me? Bad doctrine equals bad preaching. And so I want to be careful that I bring clarity to this message. And, uh, and we use this uh, symbolically speaking to help us look at the spiritual aspect and how there was clarity brought to the disciples, but also the physical aspect of the, the blind man. And so if you can't see clearly today, let's try to get it together and see clearly together, okay? I stand before you guys as somebody that's striving every single day to get up in the morning and say, God, help me because I do not have this together. I I don't know how to be a dad. I don't know how to be a good husband. I don't know how to be a good preacher. There's times that I just can't see the way I need to see. I'm struggling with the ability to see Jesus for who he is, even though I preach him. The disciples in this passage of Scripture were struggling to see Jesus in his fullness. And you're probably thinking, I don't understand. And I'll bring more clarity to that in just a minute. But at at the time, there was a blind man that was seeking healing physically. He wanted clarity. But the disciples were needing some clarity too spiritually. And so at the beginning of Mark chapter 8, we see this miraculous story of Jesus feeding thousands of people with the loaves and the fishes, and, and, and he multiplied them, and it was a beautiful miracle that we teach our children. But as they departed, the Pharisees, like they always do, approached Jesus. They confronted him. They didn't believe in him. They didn't believe he was the Messiah, and so they wanted him to do some things and answer some questions that he rejected and, uh, because he wasn't going to give in to their mentality or their persuasion, and so... He loads up on the, this, the ship with his disciples. Just a little background here of the story. And they, they sail off to go to another area of ministry. And on the way, things got really frustrating for Jesus. And I love that Jesus is 100% man and 100% God because I can relate to that man part where you get frustrated, you know, where you teach your kids something and that you thought they got it, but they didn't get it at all. That is frustrating. And so at this moment that in Mark chapter 8, 13 through 25, we see the account. And when they got in the ship, according to verse 13, the disciples forgot to bring bread in verse 14. So they didn't pack anything. I mean, there was this great miracle just happened. There's lots of leftovers and they didn't pack anything. And so at this moment, Jesus says to them, he's always very symbolic in what he says. He's always teaching a lesson through picture, through Uh, nature and things around. And so he said to them, take heed, beware, in verse 15, of the leaven of the Pharisees and also the leaven of uh, of Herod. 
And he just meant leaven is the little bit we add to the bread that causes it to puff up, if you would, in preparation to be baked. It was symbolic. But he said, listen, the Pharisees, they're the ones that have it all figured out, so they think. They're the ones that are filled with legalistic, this legalistic idea. And then you've got Herod that's, that's got this worldly mentality. Don't be swayed by either one. Stay the course. Now, that's what he was hoping they would get. But all they got out of it is we forgot to pack the lunch. And so Jesus is mad at us. And then Jesus is really frustrated by verse 18. He's like, you have eyes, but you don't see. It's like, I'm your teacher, and you don't see past the fact that I'm a teacher, but also the Son of God. I got so much to give you, but you miss it. It's like, I don't get you. And you say, well, I, I, I know where Jesus is coming from. Well, the fact is, we're the same way. We have the Holy Spirit as believers living within us, but, it, yeah, but we still seem to miss it. And I, I get frustrated with myself over that. And so he reminisces about what took place with the miracle. He's trying to draw their attention to the fact that there's more than just a miracle that happened. I want you to see me in my fullness. But they don't quite get it. And so now we find ourselves at the shore and they meet a man that's brought to him that's blind. And he said unto them in verse 21, how do you not understand with everything that just took place? And immediately after that comes a man that's blind in verse 22. And they besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town, this being Jesus. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught, which means, can you see clearly? And he looked up and he said, I see men as trees walking. Okay, this isn't good. So verse 25, after that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up. And he was restored and saw every man. What's the word right there? Clearly. Clearly. Like three of you. Let's try it again. What's the word? Clearly. Clearly. Yeah. I can see clearly now. And I'm going to give you reasons why the disciples and the blind man could see clearly. So if you're in the midst of a fog, I hope you can leave this small room and go, I can see clearly now. You could even listen to the song if it inspires you. I just want you to be able to walk away, whether you're a student in high school, a student in college, whether you're a grandmother, whether you're a niece, whether you're a nephew, aunt, uncle, mom, or dad, and say, I think I can breathe and see more clearly than I've ever seen before. And it all starts in Mark chapter 8 and verse 23. All right? In order to see clearly... We just follow the steps. Y'all with me? The first is this. The leading of Jesus brought clarity. I'm going to be so simplistic that when you walk away, you're going to go, I can remember that. If you can't remember it, then just listen to the podcast. The leading of Jesus brought clarity in verse 23. And he took the blind man by the hand. It was personal. I want to say this. Jesus took the man by the hand and personally led him outside of the city. This is unusual because usually when God's son, Jesus, performed a miracle, there was a multitude there to witness it. It's because he was declaring his power so people could know that he is the son of God. But at this moment, the only ones that went with Jesus 
was the blind man and the disciples and the few men that brought the blind man to Jesus. So he takes him by the hand, the blind, and, and, and the blind man walked with Jesus. Now this is the interesting part. The blind man intentionally and willingly followed Jesus. He had no clarity, no ability to know what's going on. He just knew that Jesus took him by the hand and he was leading him somewhere. And so in the midst of that, he had to trust Jesus to lead him. We all seem to want something from God, right? I mean, we all do. If you, if you don't, there's something wrong with you. But in order for us to get something from God, like clarity, then there's not only has to be a, a leading, but there has to be a following. And I think a lot of people want God to lead them, but they're not willing to follow him. My dog, Hank, doesn't seem to understand. When I say come, it means come and follow me. And for whatever reason, he sniffs all over the yard because there's a fox living in our backyard and he just senses it. He thinks he knows what direction to go because he's sensing something and he's smelling it out. And I feel like uh, we just think we got things figured out and we're smelling it out and we're figuring it out and we just don't follow the leading of God. Jesus personally took the blind man's hand and led him. This required that blind man to trust Jesus and follow him. The Bible says this, we are to walk by faith and not by sight. Walk is an action. You, you can't just say, I believe. You have to take action. When you're walking in the midst of a fog and things are not clear, if you really want to see clearly, you have to be led by God, but also it has to be personal. And, and, and if you don't make it personal, it'll never work. And I want to explain that. Here's the application. Stop trying to take the lead and stop allowing your friends to lead you, your family to lead you, even the closest ones, like even your, maybe your spouse, which they should, in a sense, lead you and help you. But if you're not careful, as the Bible says in Matthew chapter 15, verse 14, the blind will lead the blind and then end up in the ditch. In other words, they're meant there to be there in your life to guide you, but God is meant to be in your life to lead you. There's a distinct difference. Do you hear me? I know if I want clarity in my life, the only way I can have that clarity in my life is I have to make a personal decision to walk with Christ in a way that I've never done before. Uh, The question is, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Is your relationship with Christ personal? That means it goes far beyond just praying over your food and having an occasional time in the Word of God because you have a devotional app. I'm talking about a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus. People can guide you, but God has to lead you. And he had no ability in this situation to lead himself. He didn't know his surroundings. He didn't know what was going on. He had to just stop and trust what Jesus was doing. At any moment, he could have reached out and maybe grabbed a friend by the hand or maybe cried out for Peter. Peter, I've heard so much about you. Can you lead me? But the focus was this. Stop trying and start trusting. Stop trying to walk on my own. I'm going to just trust him to lead me and I'm going to walk by faith. The leading of Jesus brought clarity because it was personal, but it was also private and led him out of the town in verse 23. So Jesus takes this blind man to a private place. 
a place where uh, he could be without any distractions, without any influence, with, without any opinions, without any Pharisees. And this was, this was a miracle that was meant to be just for this man and also for the disciples. When I was living in Tennessee, at the most discouraging moments in my life, I would get in my truck and I would drive down this old country road, and you would never think this was in gray Tennessee, but there was a, a, a dig site for dinosaurs. <laughs> that was weird, huh? And it was at a dead end, and I'd often go there, and I'd park at the dead end, and I'd watch them dig up bones as I would just spend time with God. That was my place, right? It was an intimate place. It was a private place that I got away. Some of you never had a private place that you got alone with God. Never. You say, well, I have kids. Well, you've got to learn to get alone with God. You said, things are not clear because you have so much in your ears, so many things going on. You can't think clearly because you never got away in a private, intimate encounter with God. I remember my pastor in Tennessee would always go away to get alone with God. And I was so curious, where does this man go? So I followed him. I know I'm a creeper, right? <laughs> so I, I got in my truck and I followed him. He went to a park, but he went off the path and he had this spot. And he's been going there for like 30-something years to pray at this specific spot. And he says the most intimate times he had is when he had a private encounter with God at that spot. The Bible tells us in Mark 6, 6, But thou, when thou prayest, enter into the closet, and when thou shut the door, pray to the Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret will reward thee openly. It's, it's an intimate time. It doesn't matter if you're in high school doesn't matter if you're in college. If you do not learn to get away, you may remain in the cloud that you feel like you're walking through every single day because there's something special about having a personal relationship with Christ but getting away from all the distractions. When Matthew 6, 6 speaks about getting away in the closet and he'll reward you openly, that reward means to restore. In other words, the Heavenly Father sees exactly what's missing and he can replace it. He can restore it. But it starts with that intimate private time. It's like, it's like when you're putting a puzzle together and you're with your kids and there's a piece on the floor, but you know that piece is on the floor, but you don't say anything. And then all of a sudden they get it all together and they're so frustrated and you want to be, maybe I'm the weird one. I want to be the hero when my kids were little like, it's okay. It's right here. Bam. The finishing piece. The reward that finishing piece to the puzzle of your life that you feel like is so unclear couldn't be restored and given to you. But I'm telling you, when is the last time you got alone with God and felt his presence? You said, that's weird. I don't understand what you're saying. Then that's the problem. It, it was a private encounter with Job that gave him a lesson in the sovereignty of God. It, it was an, a private encounter with Moses on Mount Sinai that literally gave a lesson in the Ten Commandments. It was private. Nobody else was around to see it. He just declared it. And God appeared privately to Jacob and wrestled with him. And it was a place of submission for him. His name even changed after that. God appeared privately to Elijah 
and through that lesson of encouragement, he, in a still small voice, everything changed. It was a private encounter for me my senior year of college, and I drove up when I was in school in, in Tennessee, and I drove up to the top of this mountain all by myself in my junky car that I had, frustrated with God because I had no girlfriend, a horrible vehicle, no position in, in, as a youth pastor even lined up, and I was about to graduate. And I'm like, I'm going back to Alabama, and I'm going to put vinyl siding up on houses, and I'm going to sweat to death. And I was so angry with God. Nobody was around. It was the middle of the night. And me and God had this encounter. Are y'all following me? I'm just being personal. I'm being real. And I just poured out my heart to him. I'm like, man, what is up? I've given you everything. I even lost my hair. And I'm 18 years old. I got nothing going for me, God. There was a bird nest in my engine when I got this car. And we pulled it literally out of the junkyard. What do you want me to give up? You know, where's the lady in my life? <laughs> and I had that moment where I was frustrated. And let me tell you, there's nothing wrong with having frustration when you have that intimate time with God, that private time. By the way, all these folks that I mentioned, Job and Moses and Jacob and Elijah, all of them, maybe outside of Moses, were frustrated with God. You know why? Because they couldn't see what was going on. There was no clarity. Are y'all following me? Yeah. But the leading of Jesus in this situation brought clarity because it was personal and it was private. And I remember after I got off that mountain, I finally, I was crying like a little girl. I was, I was probably 19. I sat there and it was so quiet. You know that passage of scripture that says, be still and know that I'm God? I had that moment. And I breathed, and I calmed down, and I said, you know, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. I give up. I quit. I'm not going to try to figure it out. You know what that is? That's letting God lead me because I'm blind, and I have no idea where I'm going. I have no idea who I'm going to marry. I have no idea what I'm going to drive. I have no idea where I'm going to come on staff and be a youth pastor. I have no idea. I'm completely blind. But I give up, and I'm giving it to you, and I'm going to let you lead me, if you would, out of town. And I'm going to let you do whatever you want to do because faith is without works is dead. So I'm going, to, I'm going to take some steps. I'm going to walk. I'm going to take some action. And I did it. And oh, my goodness, I'm going to tell you. It was crazy, right? Are you all with me? Yeah. I'm not kidding you. This really happened. You're going to be like, no. Nah. I've said this before, and I'll, I'll probably say it a thousand times because I've given this testimony because it's so weird. It's crazy. It's like the blind man. He didn't know what was going on, and all of it came together. I went home. And I go to work with my dad doing vinyl siding. You know, that's called submission, by the way. It's like, you know what? If you're going to give up and let God take the lead, that means you just got to go. You know, you're not going to like it, you know, but you just got to do it, right? It wasn't exactly the way I was hoping for. I wonder if the blind man was like, why are you going out of town? I mean, you always do these miracles with millions or thousands or hundreds of people. I, I want everybody to see what you're about to do in my life, you know? I want something big to happen. Well, it don't always work that way, right? I remember I was working with my dad, and I'm up on the scaffold, and I'm sweating like a dog. And I said, Dad, I want to go get a car. And he said, Dave, I pay you under the table. There's no, proof, there's no proof of income. We're rednecks. You can't get a job. I mean, excuse me, you can't get a car if you don't have proof of income. He said, why don't we just try? So we go to a car lot, picked out the car I wanted, they said, there's not a chance you can get that car. It was a sports car. It was nice. Then I got a four-door car 
that looked like a driver ed car, but I liked it and it was new and I said, I'll take it. Week one. Week two, I get a phone call that the oldest church in the state of Tennessee founded in 1779 was going to accept me as their youth pastor. That's unheard of, with over 100 students in their youth group, running probably eight to 100 to 1,000 people in the church. This is, I'm not even married. That, that doesn't happen. So I drive to Tennessee, I get the plates put on my car because I'm gonna live there, and I'm like, so I, now, now I, I just got my car, I just drove to Tennessee, I just got locked into my job, and then I said to the guy, the pastor, and I said, listen, I have to go to Columbus, Ohio, so I can't start for a little while because I'm already scheduled to speak at a youth rally or youth event, so can you let me move a little later? And he said, yes, you can move here a little later. So I drive to Ohio. By the way, never go to the north. Been in the south all my life, right, since I was little. So going to the north, Ohio, was weird to me. So I get here, and I'm thinking, by, by the way, always said to the guys I went to school with, I will never, ever marry a Yankee, ever. I will have a southern girl, and that's the way it's going to go. Yeah, I never say never to God. So I come to Ohio. It's like the third week. Guess what? I go to Fellowship Baptist Church, and Pastor Tony is the youth pastor. And I go to this youth event in the middle of the woods with these Yankee people. And after that event, I met this guy in the back, Brian, who's now my father-in-law. And, and I'm going to the church, and on that morning, I'm in the youth department, and I'm there. That girl walks in, and I'm thinking, she's probably way too young for me, but she is very pretty. I didn't say it like that, because that sounded like a creeper. <laughs> but... But I had that moment where I'm like, man, I hope she goes out to eat with us. And she did. And the next thing I know, we date a few weeks. And a few months later, we get married. We didn't even wait a year. It was in three weeks. Now, is it going to work that way for you? Pfft, probably not. But that's encouraging, right? <laughs> but the point is simply this. If you want some clarity in your life, you better start with a personal relationship with God. And you better get along with them because that private encounter changes everything. And then I see something taking place here. God's leading to clarity in a private way. And here's how you have a private encounter with God. You have to get away and learn to pray. You have to learn to pray when you don't want to pray. That's the worst, right? I hate praying when I don't want to pray. But it's at that moment I feel closest to the Lord. Let me take you to the next part, okay? Right, everybody, let's just do this together and follow along. Mark chapter 8, verse 32, at the second part of verse 32. The clarity came because of the touch of Jesus brought clarity. It, 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 it wasn't just the leading. It was the touch. And the interesting thing is in verse 23, and when he had spit on his eyes. This is the point of the story that nothing makes sense. Y'all with me? This is just weird. It, it's, I call it mysterious. I was going to use the word confusing, but God is not a confusing God. He's not the God of chaos. He's a mysterious God. His ways are not our ways, right? But it's at this point where I'm like, what's going on? The blind man took the hand of Jesus, and he's all pumped, and he's like, this is it. I had faith. I believe this is going to happen. 
And, and he's like, man, I've been waiting for this moment. I'm going to see my mom. I'm going to see my dad. I don't know if he had a girlfriend, but everything was going to change. That could be a horrible thing if he had a girlfriend and then his eyes were open and then he was like, what? But the, the point is simply this. He's excited and he's walking by faith. And in the midst of all of this, the mistress, the mistress, the mysteries of God start to be revealed. And then Jesus takes him and spits in his face. And at that moment, I'm sure the blind man is thinking, what? I know somebody didn't just spit in my face. Not only that, he's a really good spitter because he spit in both eyes directly. And at this moment, He's so confused. I'm going to say this. I have felt that way. I'm talking about I get along with God. I'm having this private, personal encounter with him. I'm being led by him. Everything seems to be right. I feel the touch of God on my life. And then all of a sudden, sometimes it just feels like I get spit in the face. I'm like, why? I felt like that with Logan in the midst of his cancer and my family comes together and we're all excited about the surgery to remove the cancer and they open him up and I get that horrible phone call from my brother and I just remember thinking, this is it, this is, it's, it's, it's over because they couldn't take the cancer out and they had to close him back up. You know what I felt? Confused in a fog, nothing looked right. It was mysterious that God would take us this far and allow this to happen. It's like you spit in my face. And I'm not being disrespectful to God, but I'm just saying, it's man, at those moments, it's frustrating and it's confusing. Do you realize this is sin? Culturally, I thought, surely there's got to be a cultural reason why Jesus spit in his face. So I did a little research, right? You would think, you know, maybe that because in France they kiss each other and in, in Italy they'll kiss each other on the cheek and welcome each other. Maybe this is some weird cultural thing in Israel. I'm going to spit on you. It's honorable. But the reality is it wasn't. It was just as abrasive today as it was then. People didn't spit on each other. So why in the midst of all of this did he do that? I'm going to try to clarify, okay? Because the mysteries of God are confusing at times. But there's a purpose. I'm going to put a small picture on the screen, a small photo, all right? And I want you to guess what that is. Now, this is just a small portion of it, okay? Y'all following me? Y'all looking at it? Is it a Blackberry? I don't know. But you're looking at it and you're thinking to yourself, I'm going to assume what this is. You're going to create ideas right now. You're going to think to yourself, this is mysterious. This is unusual. It's got a strange texture. And right now, you're thinking to yourself, another idea of what you think it is. Everybody following me? And right now, in this passage of Scripture, if we could go back in time, the disciples are doing the exact same thing because they can't see the big picture. All they're doing is seeing this guy with spit dripping off his face, and they're going, that could not have just happened. And you know what the blind man's doing? He's just looking for answers. He can't see where the guys are, but he's probably feeling out and just saying, hey, hey, can somebody tell me what's going on? I'm let out, I'm supposed to be healed, and I got spit in my face. You know why? Because nobody knew exactly what was the finished product. Nobody knew exactly what Jesus was doing at this very moment. 
There was no doubt there was discussion that broke out amongst the disciples. Confusion, guessing, trying to figure out what is Jesus trying to do. And let me tell you something. The touch of Jesus that brings clarity is mysterious. And you won't always see the big picture in the beginning. You won't see it for what it really is until you wait. So let's see what this really is, okay? It's the nose of a dog. And at that moment when you saw the smaller picture, you're thinking, that's a blackberry, or maybe that is a sponge that's turned black, or something weird. But the reality is this. Maybe that one didn't make any sense. But it wasn't what you thought, right? And I feel like with Christ at this moment, they couldn't understand exactly what was taking place. Some theologians say it was a transfer of power through his spit, No, that's weird. Some say maybe the spit was to clear up the crust on his eyes so he can wipe it away. All we can do is guess. And right now in the midst of the fog that you're in, you can guess what God is trying to do, but you may not completely understand right now. It may look like just that focal point right there and you don't see the big picture. But watch this. I want you to see this. Even though it was confusing. There was one thing they did know for sure. It was messy. It was nasty. And I want to tell you, and I know this isn't much of an encouragement, but right now, whatever you're going through is messy. It's not clear. It's mysterious. It's confusing. But I'm going to tell you something. You better not stop following the leading of the Lord because he's going somewhere with this. It, it, and the Bible says he put his hands upon him. And this is miraculous because only the Son of God can do what he's about to do. And so here it is. The work of Jesus brought clarity. It's, it's, it's the finished work. It, it, it's progressive according to verse 23 at the end. He asked him if, if he saw odd, can you see? He asked the man, can you see? And the man says to him, After he looked up, he says, I see men, but they look like trees. And it doesn't, you know, I I can't see the way you're seeing. Because the work of God brought clarity, but it was a progressive. It wasn't a mistake. I've heard theologians actually say that this was a mistake. It wasn't a mistake. God makes no mistakes. Jesus wasn't making a mistake here. It's this very moment that the blind man could have walked away and said, I give up. It's at this very moment after he has already been brought away from everybody, he has spit in his face, he's frustrated, he's irritated, and now he can't even clearly see that he could just say, you know what, I'm done, I'm done. I'm still in a fog, nothing is clear, you've got me nowhere. But he didn't. And the lesson that's being taught to the blind man is also being taught to the disciples. I'm going to finish up with this. This is... It's the only way I can think of it. When I get stressed and I get frustrated, I do this. And I don't know if you do this. If you don't do this, you need to start doing this. It's a name. His name is Bob Ross. He will change your life. When I am really irritated, I just have to sit on the couch and turn on old Bob. And as Bob begins to paint, it just eases me. Just him talking calms me. How many like to watch Bob Ross or you've watched Bob Ross? How many of you never watched Bob Ross? Are you serious? Wow. Man, that's why the world's messed up. I sit on the couch and I'm watching Bob Ross, who's a wonderful artist. He's passed on. And this is what I do. I'm calm. 
I'm clear minded. I'm rejoice. I'm just relaxing. And all of a sudden he starts doing things I don't really understand. Now, Grant, he's the artist. He takes out this spatula like a knife and he goes, we're going to put some shade here, just a little shade here. He's so calm about it. And I'm thinking, you can't make shade with that. But he made shade with it. And the next thing I know, he's creating a mountain and trees. And I'm thinking, I don't know how you made a mountain or trees out of that. And I'm watching, right? I'm trying to stay calm. But the more I watch him, the more frustrated I become because Bobby Boy is doing things that doesn't make sense. And I'm thinking, Bob, first of all, you're not going to finish this within the period of time you've been given in this episode. It's not going to happen. And I go from a calm state to a frustrated state where I'm yelling at the artist that knows what he's doing and saying, that's impossible. It's not going to turn out right. And he's already told me that he's going to create a mountain and he's going to create a lake or a river, and he's going to put some happy trees, as he calls it, and little happy people. And I'm thinking, this is never going to happen. But the whole time I'm watching, there's a progressive state going on here. He is slowly developing something. And in the midst of it, I am literally thinking to myself, ah, this doesn't make any sense. But I don't stop watching. And it's at that moment that the, that, that the blind man is sitting there with, with spitting in his eyes and he sees men as trees and he doesn't stop believing because God's son wasn't done working. It's that moment where the fog starts to clear and where you go, okay, he wasn't healed of cancer. Okay, the, our marriage didn't work out through this counselor. Okay, but he's not done. There's a work being complete, and the work is going to be perfect in the end. And I watch old Bob, and he gets to a certain point where he's adding some finishing touches, and I'm thinking, wow, you're not, you're not that bad at what you do. You've got this. I mean, you, you are an artist. And I become very calm, and I realize this, that his work is perfect because he knew what he was doing. And in verse 25... After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up and he was restored and saw every man clearly. What's the word? Clearly. And here's the definition or the translation in the Greek for clearly. At a distance. I was like, what does that mean? At a distance. In other words, the idea could be that he, at the beginning of the first stage, was nearsighted. He could see up close things. But in the distance, the men looked as trees walking about. He, couldn't, he wasn't farsighted. And why is that so unusual? Because of this. The disciples at this very moment had to learn a lesson. The clarity physically was brought to this man, but spiritually was clarity brought to the disciples, and that was this. You have never seen me in my fullness of Jesus. You've seen me as rabbi, as a teacher. You've seen me as a man that loves people. You've seen me almost as in a distance, if you would. But now you're about to see me in my fullness. The clarity is not just here, but it's everywhere. I am the Messiah. And so the clarity comes through the work that Jesus brought and it was progressive and it was perfect. And in verse 27, he asked the question to the disciples as they left to go to another city, who do people say that I am? One of the disciples said, well, I, some say you're Elias and some say you're John the Baptist and some say you're a prophet. And he said, but who do you say that I am? And he said, you're the Christ, Peter said. I see you 
in your fullness. I don't see you just up close as the prophet, excuse me, as the teacher, as the rabbi. I see you in a bigger picture. I see you in your fullness. And I'm going to tell you, I ask this question, who do you say that he is in your life? Because unless you see him in his fullness, there'll never be the clarity you need in your life. I'm going to simply ask you to do this. Just pray with me, would you? But before we go to that point and pray, I, I want to ask you, have you felt the leading of Jesus in your life? Is it personal? Is it, is, have you had that private encounter with him? I know, I felt like this just went on and on and on. But this is reality. We can't have clarity unless we learn to develop a personal relationship with him that's private, that's intimate and personal. But I also believe that the touch of Jesus brought clarity because, because it was, it's going to be different. It's going to be mysterious. It's going to be something that we don't always see at the very beginning. Because through the work of God in your life, it's progressive. But in the end, it's perfect. So just keep on moving, following his lead, because the clarity is going to come. And when it does, you've got to see him in his fullness. He's not a temporary God. He's not a God that just fixes things for that moment. There's a bigger picture. There's something bigger in store for you. And whatever you're going through right now at this very moment, it's probably in preparation for something way bigger in the future. Because Brianna Chenault was in Columbus, Ohio, when Dave Liuzzo was in Knoxville, Tennessee on the mountain. There was a beautiful car sitting in a car lot in Alabama while Dave Liuzzo was sitting in his car on the top of a mountain. In Tennessee, Johnson City, Tennessee, there was a position waiting for Dave Liuzzo. I couldn't see any of those things at that moment. But I just kept on following his leading when things didn't make any sense. You want clarity? Just follow his leading. It becomes personal. It becomes intimate. It's mysterious and that can seem, feel confusing, but you just got to keep on keeping on because in the end, this progressive work that God is doing in your life is going to be perfect in the end and you'll see him in his fullness.